I haven't seen you on Twitter lately. What happened? Uh, well, Elon happened, mostly. Oh no, not again. <laughs> A lot of people in that whole discussion have said, oh, I don't see the point of Twitter, uh, good riddance, or oh, I left Twitter ages ago, I never saw the point of it, or uh, I'll probably just not replace it or whatever. For me, Twitter has been great uh, overall. Like it's definitely a distraction. Definitely does not do wonders for my attention. But what it does do is sort of hold the disparate part of my beloved Elixir ecosystem and community together. Because regardless of whether you follow the forums or you follow the Discord or you follow the Slack or you only uh, sort of work on your own end and mostly don't interact you could keep an eye on twitter and be up to date on most of what's going on because everyone active in the space would also publish on twitter and it was pretty clear that at least let's say the more progressive side of of the community would definitely react to to the whole elon thing and yeah, a bunch of people left. Thankfully, people mostly left and went to Mastodon. And after a while, more recently, someone also made genserver.social, which is then uh, a Mastodon instance targeted for Elixir and Erlang folks. So people that are really only on Twitter to keep connection with that community, they have a very sort of straight path to somewhere else to go. It's not confusing to to them necessarily where, which instance should they be on, da-da-da-da-da. Like they can pick a mainstream generic one or they can pick genserver.social. I already had an account on fostodon.org, uh, so I revived that one or I made that more active and mostly switched off of Twitter. I will still probably post sort of updates and important things or things I published Twitter because I still have a bunch of people that follow me there that probably won't go to Mastodon. Uh, and that's mostly for their convenience to sort of be be helpful and mindful of the people that want to follow what I'm doing. But my discussions, the things I, I bring up, my random thoughts, those are all on Mastodon. And so far I'm really, really liking Mastodon. I also see a fair bit of criticism of Mastodon, like it's it's a very white place, it's a very middle class, comfortable place, there's a lot of mansplaining going on, and I'm not surprised by that, and I'm not surprised that I enjoy Mastodon, these things can both be true, because I'm a white middle class tech guy, which means that all of this feels homey to me. Unfortunately, um, I don't think it's worse than Twitter, but I think that Twitter was probably more diverse in general. And Mastodon has sort of existed long enough to build build certain patterns and culture that are uh, challenging now when there's an influx of, of the, wider, the wider world. And I, I hope it adapts well. I think I'm really keen to see something grow that might be sort of as open as email and establish itself as a commonly used thing because while twitter has never been the most used 
social network are like massive. It, it's it's just been large. I don't remember the last time something really open came along and just became part of what we do. Feels like it's been a long time. So I'm pretty excited about the Fediverse suddenly. <laughs> are you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter, but I'm like, you know, it's like walking around in a city at night. Not one of those cities that never sleep, but a city that sleeps hard. So it's empty. <laughs> it's me and all the other ones who who don't have anywhere else to go. <laughs> We're staying. Uh, and also the algorithm is weird nowadays. Or at least not as it used to be. I've only used the latest, uh, so the the chronological timeline for the longest time on Twitter. So the algorithm really doesn't show up much for me. Ah, oh, cool. It's, I mostly use Twitter for, to satiate my doom scrolling needs and, uh, or satisfy. And that's how it worked. So, and it works less well now. But one thing that I think Twitter, Twitter was really good at was to, build loosely coupled communities. Yeah. Like, well, I won't say that the Elixir community is loosely coupled, but I can be loosely coupled to the Elixir community. I don't have to keep on top of a Slack discussion or IRC channel or um, forum or whatever. I can just browse the, what's the tag that was used for quite Hashtag my elixir status. Yes, that one. And see what happens. Yeah. And I think that will transfer mostly intact to Mastodon. So that's definitely one thing that Twitter does well. It's like I can follow InfoSec, sort of some web dev influencer type of developer relations people that post interesting stuff. I can follow the entire Elixir community, and I get some kind of mix of them. And I also get a pretty clear sense of where these circles overlap because I see people in the Elixir community share some of the InfoSec stuff or some of the web stuff. And suddenly I see sort of how how they overlap. But a lot of functional, for example, functional programming is a big loose community and has been on Twitter and it overlaps with like the Venn diagram of uh, functional programmers and Elixir developers is not a circle but it's a there's certainly some overlap there so you'll see a bunch of Haskell folks you'll see a bunch of other sort of computer science-y types that show up in if you start following the Elixir people and see what they share. And from what I've seen, a lot of that still sort of overlapping communities have mostly transferred over to Mastodon. Uh, a lot of the functional program people went to Hackiderm, seems like. And yeah, all in all, I think... So I was genuinely worried that it would become a pain in the neck to try to keep up with the Elixir community. And most of the people I need want to keep an eye on seem to have moved over to to Mastodon instances. So in that way, I'm I'm pretty happy. Um, I'm glad to see that that change was possible 
the migration was mostly successful. I'm sure we'll lose people, but I'm not sure we won't lose the entire platform of Twitter. So I'm glad, <laughs> glad to have found something that feels honestly more solid. Yeah, Twitter was apparently not too big to fail. Yeah, and, and we'll see. I, I don't think it will go under quickly or brutally sort of oh and now it's off and now it's gone uh, i think it will fail more and more uh, over time yeah or turn into something that's just trash more more trash than it has been but we'll see we'll certainly see absolutely yeah and i'm not opposed to sort of potentially using twitter again if i think if I think I can respect the leadership and think that the direction is good, but I also don't see a big reason to go back because in many ways Mastodon feels slightly more old school and that's very, that, that's almost comfort food to me. Mastodon feels like a Twitter on IRC. <laughs> it's like, well, we all know each other here, sort of deal. <laughs> Except when we don't. Uh, and yeah, I've, I've definitely treated it slightly differently. Not not a lot differently, but you see what people post and you see how they do things and then you adapt to that, I guess. I've ended up posting a bunch of sort of technical questions and Yesterday, I got some help with my VimRC um, and integrating the Elixir language server from someone I'm not familiar with. I don't believe I'm familiar with the person, at least. Uh, if we've spoken, it was probably in another context, like email or something. Cool. But they pulled my VimRC and was like, yeah, this works, this works. Uh, if you add this part, this works. And then I figured out, oh, if I reboot my computer twice, <laughs> that fixes uh, the problem I was having. Huh? The magic incantation. Yeah, I think I had a pending kernel extension from Sony on my Mac. Oh. Uh, it was like, oh, yeah, that's oh, well. maybe that's why. I don't know. It shouldn't be, but maybe that's why. Yeah. Yeah, it was just not working. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized, like, oh, I don't remember the last time I started this computer. <laughs> yeah. It might have happened once or twice since I bought it. All the uptime. Yeah, it's it's an M2 MacBook Air, um, and yeah, they have good battery life, and I use it infrequently, and I use you generally only get to use it for short periods of time. So, it's my code on the sofa when the kids have gone to sleep machine, uh -huh. which also means uh, I get an hour or two max. Yeah, good. Stuff. <laughs> and it has probably battery for eleven or twelve hours. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, and I. Just put it back, and then I might as well put the charger in. So Yeah. Huh. For some reason, I looked at what's needed to host my own Mastodon instance, because if I host it myself, I don't have to choose one. So that's a, that's a very roundabout way to get rid of the <laughs> horrible anxiety of choosing something. And I saw that it needs Ruby on Rails, a Postgres database, and uh, block storage, preferably S3 object storage. Object storage is the name, yes. Probably. Yeah, something like S3 or something like that, because it will eventually be filled up. And uh, yeah. Redis, I think, as well, right? That sounds like it was needed. And I was like, oh. yeah, this is. 
this could be done, but I was really hoping for that it was written in Go. There is one in Go. There is one in Go. Cool. I hear it's very, very basic in yeah. many ways. And I don't rem- oh, I don't remember what it's called. But yeah, it's, it seems like a sort of uh, cool, minimal, cute project, the Go one. There is also one in, El- or there are two in Elixir. There's <laughs> Pleroma, which was the first initial one. And then some of Fork. So Pleroma is controversial for some reason. I have never actually found the background for the reason why pleroma is controversial okay. i think it, it has to do with people so it is controversial probably um but someone forked it uh, and a coma is what's used for genserver.social ah. and that's the fork pleroma and i think the goal was to move a little bit faster and uh, have a bit of a stronger opinion about certain things yeah so it, it was forked for a specific community and now uh, now it's a decently big one i think cool and it also supports using the sort of bleeding edge variant of the Mastodon main interface. So you can you can get the UX of Mastodon, which is quite nice. If I'm not mistaken, the Acoma sort of default uh, UX was not that terrific. Uh, what I've seen of GenServer.Social looks pretty old mm-hmm. and weird. But... Um, from what I gather, you can pull in glitch sock, so glitch social, I guess, which is sort of where where Mastodon UI discovers new features. <laughs> Got it. Uh, and the both Pleroma and Acoma should run perfectly fine on Raspberry Pi. Is the idea? Oh, so they are not very demanding, and I think they only need Postgres. Yeah, I think they benefit from having an object store because that's a nice way of, much like you use the database to be your single source of truth for data. If you need a single source of truth for media, which you do when someone posts a picture, then um, object storage is a nice way of doing that. And it's generally you can offload that to like I I would try Glacis for example if you don't have a ton of storage needs because the pricing is uh simple for one thing they don't charge transfers or anything they charge a monthly storage fee and i think it's uh, i don't recall exactly what the pricing is it's not the cheapest object storage but it won't sort of surprise you with transfers that's a good start yeah yeah so i've certainly started thinking about potentially hosting my own i'm happy to be on another one and i don't i don't have anxiety about choosing and i chose a while back and then i double checked the the info about the instance now when i restarted it or when i went back the account and it seems like a very reasonable place Uh, so i just joined their patreon to support them a little bit and been good so far nice but yeah um, i could see having an that you would oriented mastodon for example be a cool thing yeah i'm also curious then about sort of peer tube have you looked at pixel fed no. i think that's your your that's your Flickr or instagram i don't know which huh. i've looked closely at pixel fed but i also think it should be because it's activity pub 
it may be that you can do all your imagey stuff there, but it can also be part of a Mastodon feed. Okay. Uh, I believe that's that's an approach. Then again, PixelFed is probably built in like PHP or Node or something. Yeah. So you, you'll be a little bit annoyed. <laughs> but, and I, I resonate with that. Sort of, I looked at PeerTube, I think it was, and I was like, oh, this is a Node thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to be that person. I want to be, be like, oh, yeah, they built the tool in a popular and reasonable stack and they're getting the job done and all of that. But I also know that. From a hosting perspective, like I don't trust the Node application to stay working uh, from day to day. Yeah, at least not during a reinstall. I don't expect to be able to set up the same version of the app like six months later no, because that has not no. been my experience with JavaScript ecosystem. Like I, I'm actually more comfortable if it's PHP, which I also don't enjoy from a setup perspective or. Uh, sort of runtime perspective, but I don't think it has the same churn problem. I haven't used PHP in modern times, so when I used it last time, you'll have to correct me here, with the exception for WordPress and Drupal and so on, which actually mm. had some kind of plugin system where you could yep. install stuff, then everything was vendored. So if I had the code, it would most probably run again. Yeah, that that was pretty common back then. What? Uh, well, <laughs> and then something happened, right? So there has been um, the addition of Composer, which is a sort of package managey thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they have that in PHP land now. So it's very similar to anything else. Um, yeah, I, I think my my biggest reservation is typically uh, about sort of node based things, just because I don't trust the ecosystem under my feet there. The same issue can occur with all the others, but they generally don't move as fast and don't have a small, so small packages or so many of them. Indeed. But overall, so I've, I'm considering setting up a peer tube for, uh, for Underjord because it could be quite interesting if, like, these are the federated solutions, right? The open solutions. And because there are the open solutions and the free solutions, they're often a little bit crappier than the, very proprietary solutions, but, and this is a big one, you can actually do what you want with them and you control your own data and all of that. And that's not a small thing. Like it's, for the longest time, it was super common for companies to run their own mail servers. Now that's typically something you put on hosting, but you still run it under your own domain. Yep. Because you want that control and you want to be able to move elsewhere and you want sort of the branding of the identity pretty much. Like this is this org. It's also about security. And yeah. when when you send something from underjord.io uh, and I can see that you have all the certificates and whatnot, then I know it's the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully. But if you if you send something from I promise this is from uh, underjord at gmail dot com, then all bets are off. Yep. So, yeah, trust network of trust. Yeah. Or I think we've said earlier a network of thrust, but that's oh, mostly yeah. <laughs> relevant when you want to go to space. Yeah, I think that's a SpaceX thing. Probably Starlink. Yeah. Starlink yeah. is probably a network of thrust. 
Yeah, it's, oh, it's so problematic. But one of the best things that SpaceX has done is the video where all the rockets explode to the tones of Liberty Bell. It's so good. So three things I like. March music, rockets, and explosions. It's been a while since I've played Kerbal Space Program. <laughs> you need to do it again. Clearly. Yeah. Maybe you can inspire your children to become uh, rocket scientists when they grow up. Yeah. I don't know if that's a solid business or not. I guess it's a f- sort of future-ish business at least. Yeah. I think it's like game developer. Way too many talented people want to become that. Yeah. So it sucks to work as it. But I might be wrong. Yeah. Hard to Is know it? without trying, I guess. Yeah. Just my prejudices against a whole <laughs> profession. You and your prejudices. <laughs> yes. It's me and my prejudices and my postjudices and my prejudices. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, for for my part, I host my video I rehost my videos on my website. I also put them on YouTube. And putting them on my website, like if, if I was driving a lot of traffic to those videos, that could actually end up costing a bit. Uh, and then I'd need to put a video-friendly CDN in front of them, probably, and yada, yada, yada. If I host them on Peertube, there's actually a mechanism in Peertube that if you're just hitting playback, like you can download the the videos and then you'll hit the hit the original storage source. But if you're actually streaming them and watching them, it actually does it over WebTorrent. Ooh. Which means if multiple people if a lot of people are hitting a video, you are torrenting that video and peer-to-peering it. And you can and also it also means that you can scale up delivery of files by just adding seed <laughs> seed boxes. Yeah, the more the merrier. Yeah. That's so cool. So that is actually a very very interesting mechanism. I don't know that I'd federate necessarily or at least uh, I'd be very restrictive about federating, but I also see this sort of as a potential thing for public sector. Like the Swedish government could for example reasonably run a peer tube instance and that one could be could also bring in any public sector peer tube instances that are run elsewhere in sweden and then any city municipality region could could reasonably much like they they do admin some mail servers often or used to at least they could host a peer tube instance and that's where they put their videos instead of them putting them on youtube which is a weird commercial platform and a poor fit for public sector work. Yeah. And I could see this stuff gaining some traction, especially with the pressures from the GDPR more recently. I actually saw a post from the element folks. So matrix element, uh, the chat yeah. app or the, the chat protocol, I guess. And they, aside from the troubles they have with actually finding enough funding, uh, they also reported on some good progress in assorted places. One of them was uh, that ESAM and DSAM, some Swedish uh, collaboration platforms, and in this case platforms is, uh, means a sort of political construction, I guess. <laughs> like Oh, that kind this, of platform. Yeah. Uh, so there's a, 
it's a platform for collaboration between people. It is not a software. Yep. It's a, probably a bunch of meetings, <laughs> essentially. But they recommended Matrix as a option for for running chat in public sector operations, whether whether it's a sort of a public good project or if it's a municipality or whatever. If you want chat, uh, Matrix is one of the few that seems like you can do it responsibly. Interesting. Because you then, and I've also heard people say this about Mastodon, that papers and journalist orgs of different kinds should start their own Mastodon instances so that they can publish under an account from that org. It's very clear what it is. It doesn't have to sort of get into... It doesn't have to be affected by the moderations of any particular instance uh, aside from its own. And it can sort of enforce everything it needs to enforce about about how journalism is, is done under its instance. Much like mail servers, like it, yeah. it does make sense, I think, as a, as a practice. Just orgs that need to control how they do things should be able to run it themselves. But like a lot of public sector orgs have been on Twitter, but I mean, that, that's a can of worms if you look at it too closely. Absolutely. I think one of the reasons Twitter was not as horrible as it could have been is that people in positions of political power saw that this is a very important medium uh, for discussion, for affecting political decisions and so on, which added some regulations to Twitter. They had some kind of regulatory board uh, in Twitter, uh, which of course was dismantled but quite recently, but they had one. And all kinds of activism happened on Twitter mostly a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know how much it is now. I'm sure most of it's still there, or a lot of it's still there, but yeah. not all of it. Yeah. So it's I think I think there's something inherent to people that when we meet either in cyberspace or in real life, we will try to interact with each other and uh, if we see someone that can make a decision that would be good for us. We might try to talk to them about it. And when I say this, this feels so strange to me because when I walk around in any Swedish city, <laughs> I just try to avoid people. But, hmm. <laughs> so it might all be <laughs> gobbledygook, what I just said. Uh, <laughs> what's your take? No, I, I think it's what Twitter was and to some extent still is, uh, but less and less so, I think, was sort of this public discussion, uh, public place for discussion, which, for example, Facebook isn't and really can't properly be. Facebook is a lot about your connections and your circles of friends and whatever you follow. And while things certainly do circulate through Facebook Twitter was all about that ongoing discussion, sort of. So I saw a lot of people talk politics, or both in in like the really boring sense, like, oh, this work group is working on this, uh, and uh, we recently did this. 
here's a report, which is not like the Swedish politics hashtag where there's like, oh, <laughs> no, we need to be more racist. Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah that's the spicy part of politics yeah. on twitter and I, I really avoid the the swedish political scene on twitter uh, i am unable to avoid the american one because it's everywhere uh thanks <laughs> but yeah <laughs> no they're there <sighs> yeah i don't think the the online political discussions are not not an all that useful or to some extent they're important for example there's been a lot of activism as you said like a lot of people will will complain about it but i i really appreciate uh, activists in general and i really believe in social causes so i'm happy to sort of do what i can to support just for black people in the US, for example. It's not the most relevant thing, and it's not something I should run around championing because it is really, really tenuously connected to me. I don't live there, which is one big thing. It's like, yes, I support, uh, for example, Black Lives Matters and the the whole idea of fighting systemic injustice. But beyond being supportive and uh, calling out what i see like it's i don't think i'm the right person to be there it's i recently discussed sort of the possibility of creating a space for sort of women programmers in a particular context uh, we don't need to get into the specifics but and i i was like i think this is a great idea I don't think I should do it because I can't <laughs> it would be weird for me to be in that space. Like I'll I'll Absolutely. happily enable it, I'll happily sponsor it, I'll happily provide resources if to make it happen. But I think it should be run by someone else. Yep. Because my presence there would have this weird outsized impact and gravity and just half of the point of creating a separate space is to to change the normal shape of things yep and yeah (laughs) if it's like oh yeah this is the space but i I run this space and i'm not part of it but i'm in it and i'm there i'm (laughs) running it i guess real weird real fast yeah yeah (laughs) so for similar reasons it's like yes i can support those struggles but also like you get so much american politics when you're when you're on there and it's not my politics <laughs> and some people will like you can't always put in asterisks yes i know this doesn't apply outside of the us or da, 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 da. so i don't really mind that people sort of post assuming that it's relevant to you uh that it would just be annoying if they sort of asterisked everything and uh, said, oh, yes, for you in the US, this is my rallying cry. <laughs> for everyone in Europe, please send blankets. No. But uh, there's also like, you should absolutely not do this. Da, 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 da. Sort of um, telling, <laughs> telling you what for and uh, giving you a stern lecture on how how you should 
treat, for example, black people. None of it often relevant to the particulars of being a black person in Sweden, of course. Indeed. While we certainly have racism and systemic injustice and black black people in Sweden certainly do get singled out. Black people in Sweden is not 50% of the population. And most of the black people in Sweden do not did not come here uh, or their um, their ancestors did not come here on slave ships. Nah, and that's I suppose that's good. Yeah. No, it is good. People shouldn't go anywhere on slave ships. <laughs> Slavery is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. So so we it's just we have other systemic racial issues most of them about what what's commonly called black people it's like well we have more we do have black people that have come more recently that have that certainly don't have the best status in society and there's but we also have a lot of people from the middle east for example and we had a whole slew of people come in uh, from chile back in the day yeah and finland and the balkans and yeah it's there are it's like quite a lot of different people here and I think we could be much nicer to each other. Yeah, so we have the problems. We don't have them in the exact same manner, in the same way. And it sometimes gets challenging when there's such a powerful cultural sort of worldview being pushed on on that specific platform due to me following a lot of Americans and sort of the American talking points being uh, very loud. And... <laughs> I was like, I recently got a whole thread. I think this was actually on Mastodon because it does happen there as well. Uh, someone <laughs> shared and or someone boosted a whole bunch of advice about how to sort of relate to Jewish holidays and how sort of how not to make assumptions doodly doodly uh, here and there. Like uh, well-meaning sort of lectury thing on <clears throat> cultural sensitivity to some extent. But like I've met one person who I know to be Jewish in Sweden. Yeah. Oh. There are not super many. I think I know Actually, no, two. 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 Yeah. Or three. So yeah. And I think ours are the same ones. Uh they are they are overlapping. Yeah. I, I expect most of <laughs> ours overlap. Yeah. So, yes, it's... And like the Jewish population is large in the US. So it makes sense to sort of, oh, yeah, be mindful of this. But it also, for me, it's starting to get tiresome to get lectured about a culture I'm not in (laughs) (laughs) and how to behave. Uh, Because I do want to behave well, but they're not saying anything that's useful to me particularly it's like okay i interact enough with the u.s that yeah that's it's vaguely relevant that's that's partly why i i also sort of skim and read these things but it's also yeah u.s centric (laughs) yeah i think it's like if you would get the device on if when you're outside uh avoid uh, the snakes and the mosquitoes because they will kill you. That's not a very good advice 
unless you're very allergic, of course, where you live. But it's a very good advice in, let's say, I don't know, <laughs> middle of Congo or something like that. Yeah. Uh, wh- while sending the advice to uh, dress in many layers, wool is good. Uh, be very careful with if you stop feeling your face. Wouldn't be very useful in the middle of Congo, but it's very useful, say, in Abisko in the north of Sweden, when it's minus 25 Celsius degrees yeah. outside. Uh, good advice in Sweden. Take your shoes off if you enter someone's home. Yeah. Um, and That's a bad advice in USA. Yeah. I suppose. Sometimes. I, I think that varies a fair bit, but it seems pretty common to have shoes indoors. Uh, or in, in people's houses. Like It's not like we remove them if we go to Ikea. But That would be something, yeah. wouldn't it? You have those like large uh, <laughs> places you put your shoes. Yeah, just and then you walk around massive shoe racks. It, yeah. Like they would use their own shoe racks, so it would be just yeah, tons absolutely. and tons of them. Yeah, and some kind of, you know, you get a, you get a ticket for your shoes. Oh, yeah, and they have a big tumbler system sort of just... Uh, yeah. Taxing Robotic. rows and rows of shoe racks up into storage and then like bring down the right rack. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, this is the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, sometimes like that that's just life on, on the internet because the US is very dominate dominant in the discourse and it's like people need to stop doing that. It's like we, like that that's not even a thing in Sweden. Or <laughs> and your options are Ignore it or tell them how it's different here, which is only really a good choice if it's a really interesting difference. Yep. Or sort of try to uh, try to ingest it for for some use. Uh, I don't know. But overall, uh, liking having moved to Mastodon <laughs> and considering cool. whether I should self-host all these things. So these open alternatives to popular things. Actually, dis- yeah. discuss this a bit with with another one that's interested in these types of things, and keep me posted. Yeah, he mentioned one podcasting uh, platform. I I don't know if it's for running. I think it's for running podcasts and sort of I guess submitting them to to the services. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure what it does. I guess yeah, it might be sort of an open alternative to to the podcasting services that are out there in general then there was one for sort of social reading uh, so goodreads essentially but federated oh nice uh, there was a because base camp or sound cloudy yeah. thing or two are you thinking about Bandcamp? uh did i say base camp <laughs> you did okay yeah Bandcamp, SoundCloud, uh <laughs> some kind of thing like that uh, I don't remember the names of all this. And then there was one that was oh. essentially a federated Reddit. Oh, cool. And when I think about these, this would all make sense for sort of organizations to take under their own control. Like that has fallen so far out of fashion with with sort of the startup mentality and everyone should be lean and everyone should de da 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 The cloud. Yeah, so cloud. And everyone should just use a SaaS for that. Yeah. And I think with the GDPR, there's a hope for the pendulum swing on that stuff. Where at least larger organizations should probably run their own things for some 
for some things. It's like if you publish a lot of videos, maybe you should be hosting it. You can post it to YouTube as well, but have a fallback. Yeah, you know, I'm curious. Like I've done a few videos on self-hosting things, and I did not choose the federated solutions there. For example, I did one on Mattermost rather than using Matrix. And right now, I'm definitely leaning towards the federated ones more. Like the federated ones are not... The federation bit is not without problems. But email has problems and we've been able to manage it. We have been able to improve it. We have been able to do okay with that. Yeah, well... Well, the federation when it comes to email is quite interesting. You can't really do anything unless you are one of the big, really big companies doing things with email or one of the companies that have been uh, put on the allow list or the good list by one of those companies. Well, you, so you can host yeah. your own email, but it does it does come with a bunch of challenges. Yeah, my experience trying to host my own email for many years before I finally gave up, is that it works fine until you want to send something to a Microsoft-hosted address. Yeah, and then they will just say, no, we we will not uh, accept so that email. Um, but yeah. but uh, all others is fine. So I was for a while like, can people just stop using Microsoft emails, please? But they can't because, uh, well, Microsoft has Hotmail, they have Outlook, uh, and they are hosting like Office 365, which way too many years. So, yeah. While Google is more like, as long as you have those SPFs, DKIMs, DMARCs, uh, all that, and that seems legit, they're cool. Yeah, that seems to typically be the case. And it's very unfortunate, that whole Microsoft thing. Because I think that's the biggest one that causes trouble yeah. and yeah. prevents people from self-hosting email. And I wouldn't recommend people self-host email right now because it's just just uh, troublesome in that way. But for example, uh, Microsoft Teams seems to be increasingly considered illegal in the EU. Um, that's a, <laughs> that's that's a spreading thing. <laughs> Much yeah. like Google Analytics is quite uh debatable in the eu i don't know if they're newer analytics product because they they released a major breaking thing uh so they might have sort of decoupled i think they might even have some like you can host this part yourself to actually try to be uh compliant i know i haven't followed what google are doing i've followed what has happened to google Um, (laughs) yeah which is that google analytics has been deemed illegal in a few places like multiple countries in the eu which means uh, wow. there's there's precedent for for doing it in more countries and it seems to be spreading yeah um, but yeah i think teams was dubbed illegal recently in in uh, one or two places in the eu and that means people should probably consider how they want to do chat as like i just see business opportunity here uh, where, <laughs> and it's not not entirely gleeful. It's like this could be. I see this as a great potential business opportunity that's also sort of satisfying. If I was to start a hosting sort of sort of hosting SaaS ish company, that what it does is, oh, you want to 
host open alternatives for things. Um, sure, okay, you're you're the city of Varberg. Okay, uh, so you want social.varberg.se. You want chat.varberg.se, and you want videos.varberg.se, and a bunch of these. Okay, yeah. Let's let's set it up. Let's uh, offer that as a hosted service. If it could just work its way into, uh, well, requests for tenders, I guess, or whatever they're called, upandlingar, you know, upshoppings, uh, if I'm translating literally. No, but if the requirement that, like, no, it needs to be federated, it needs to be open source, it needs to be this protocol, could work its way into into those negotiations and those requirements for public sector work suddenly we'd be able to sort of interoperate it's like oh yeah uh, the city of Varberg could send a message to the city of Gothenburg over a shared protocol and both of those orgs could have their own ways of sort of handling the message as it arrives internally and decide on which clients are okay within the org and da 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 da, da like they do with email But almost all orgs have some kind of chat now. All the Microsoft ones just started using Teams, which is horrible. It's a terrible app. <laughs> yeah. So your your whole idea is that there could be a great future with some innovation and some like some kind of the spirit, the good spirit of the internet could be coming back. I'm a little bit hopeful that this could introduce a pendulum swing where this gains traction. Like, I don't care if uh, startups keep using Slack, for example. Startups should be focused on what they're doing, what they're trying to do. Small companies should stay pretty lean. They should not be hosting too much of their own stuff. Like, I would like to see EU companies try to use uh, EU-centric legal, (laughs) actually actually legally usable uh, services which is still sort of a, a challenge but for example i don't think most orgs in sweden uh, that use slack are doing so legally nah nah <laughs> the gdpr says no shrimps too yeah, says exactly. even nowhere <laughs> yes but that i also don't care too much about that because i don't think it anything any of it is malicious There's some tracking aspects mm. that yeah. I think we can tamp down on, and I think there's sort of we can potentially shift the cultural wisdom of how do you do a company in in e- the EU to maybe include using EU-based services just because just to stay legal. Uh, that we can get there eventually, I think potentially if the laws hold up yeah. and uh, yeah, if the US stays. Uh, sort of a third country and all of that but if we could shift how things are done in the public sector because I have expectations that the public sector should be less crap about these things uh, like, I have a yeah, requirement uh, on I'm, the public sector to be less crap okay, about yeah, these things yeah I'm, I'm yeah. Yeah, I'm just going Svenska Skolplattformen and then I yeah, go, but, oh no. And what happened in Stockholm, like they they recently they recently redid or did a tender for a new platform to replace yeah. that one. 
and they still hired the same people. <laughs> as far as I get it, it's like, what? You did what now? And you're proud of this how? Um, it's corruption. It's straight up corruption. It's absolutely, yeah, absolutely. rotten to the core corruption. I cannot see it as anything else, which is shameful. Uh, it's also Stockholm, yeah. so I'm not surprised. But <laughs> Indeed, because they have been having serious problems with that in different places for the last many years. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, I, I'm not against public tenders and all of this, but they really, really need to be created differently. With Because the municipality that posts them or the org that posts them can set all sorts of requirements. But in this case, they're mostly using the requirements to say, no, 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 only the biggest firms can actually reply to this one. We require this this size and this type of uh, insurance, and we need to be able to uh, sue them for this much. And then they, of course, negotiated yeah. away the, the option to sue for the school platform uh, <laughs> early, uh, as, as it was yeah. clear that the project was bad and failing and struggling. It's like, no, 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 no. We want this to be blameless, so let's let's remove the option to sue, <laughs> and everyone can carry on happily. Um, yeah, half a billion, I think they paid for that failure of a platform. They could have given it to me instead, and I could have given them the same thing. I think you would have done a better job. Yeah, uh, sure. I I don't intend. I wouldn't have intended to do a better job. I would have intended to run away. Uh, yeah, really that would have been better as well. But, Oh, cool! Because then, then there could have been less lying. It's like, oh, he ran off with the money. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't hire <laughs> Skurk Enterprises yeah. for this next time. No, but I, I really think I want public sector. So they have uh, sort of legal requirements on them already. For example, offently at principle, and like they they have to make certain yeah. things public. They also try to classify everything about the school platform because people started digging. So they, they're like, no, this is secret. It's like, no, no, that's not what that's for. Ah, corruption. Okay. But yeah, I've also run into, a, like I've worked near enough to the public sector a fair bit in education. And there's a lot of interest in doing things in a, in a correct way. And... Mm. I think increasingly there's also this thing about doing things in a more open way because so I I think there's a space to carve out for like multiple providers that what they do is that they they just host open these open source federation projects and of course that also opens incentives for those companies to contribute it's like oh our customers are pissed about how this works or they're disappointed about this so they need more flexibility here like oh yeah okay it's python or ruby or node or php just contribute it's not that difficult yep. and i think a lot of municipalities would find it sort of relaxing or at least a lot of the people that are responsible to know that they are using sort of open software and open ecosystems and open platforms because it sort of lets them off the hook 
a little bit. It's like we're doing the most open and privacy friendly thing we can here. We're not doing the locked in teams. We're getting out of the Microsoft pocket. We're getting out of whatever pockets we have been in. I think there's, there is that angle. There's always a challenge with sort of public tenders and how to, how to get at them while they're being written to sort of advise. You could do it this way. You probably should do it this way. Yeah. Uh, because that that's a critical part of sort of sales to public sector. <laughs> but there are also opportunities where you can also catch this type of need before. So if the sum is small enough, they can choose freely. Yeah, they can sort of. Or there are things called the uh, direct tenders or something like that, uh, which like if it's below this amount for then can you can simplify the process significantly and uh much like with normal tenders you can essentially snipe whatever whatever uh, provider you want oh huh because like a, a proper tender you can can outline something where the requirements only really uh, apply to a single provider yeah. that's essentially what stockholm did their name has to start with it's corrupted bad but yeah exactly it needs to be a company that was a merger of two giant companies <laughs> otherwise i don't really trust it. <laughs> this sounds a bit like uh, a children's game where you have to f- <laughs> find out where something is based on some hints yeah but for which company should we choose yeah no, but I think there are ways of sort of getting into that part of the process without necessarily needing to be able to respond to a tender. But there are also, are also these uh, companies you could partner up with that already have a sort of existing tender relationship with with certain orgs and Ramavtal is what yeah. it's called. Uh, so framed framework deals, I guess, framing deals. Yeah. So there are ways. There are ways in. It's. Like the sales for public sector is annoying, and I don't think you have to target the public sector first. You could also go for companies that just want to be on the on the safe side or the correct side or that like open things and go, okay, you host a lot of videos. You should probably have a peer tube instance. So you could cut your bandwidth costs if you're hosting them yourself, or you could at least um, have an open way of accessing them. Mm. Especially if you want to offer offer sort of wider access and like there there's a bunch of problems with offering things on YouTube via YouTube because that that access is tracked. Yep. Uh, and that might be a problem. Yeah. Like I worked on a system for schools where a lot of learning material was created in our tool. And for hosting videos, we used Vimeo and paid Vimeo. So that was sort of well, I, I guess that was sort of professional and it wasn't People weren't exposed to YouTube free, for example. Yeah. But a lot of the people that were creating in our tool would, of course, link to YouTube and bring in YouTube videos. Yeah. Big question marks around that when you're a, when you're a municipality. Oh, yes. When there are children involved. Yeah, when there are children involved specifically. What I would love to see would be also more sort of uh, public sector open source development. Yeah, I think the public sector could do lots of good there. Just because it's so large and just because they need 
Maybe they need a very specific kind of software that nobody else needs, but then at least they've got it. So Yeah, so there are, there are essentially two companies that provide people software. <laughs> people software? <laughs> What's yeah. that? I don't know what to call it. Like municipality management software. Okay. Like, oh, you have people living in you. (laughs) All right. We have software for that. So keep your registry of what people are here, what people are temporarily here, what people have you been dealing with recently uh, that might not be from your area, but definitely needs to be in the system. This Sounds quite a bit like something Skatteverket would have software for. Yeah, they probably have custom software, I hope. But every municipality and every region needs some type of system that can tie together or provide the registries that, for example, hospitals, schools, and other public sector sort of institutions pull from. Yeah, source of truth. Yeah, the the source of truth. Uh, Like, so if I remember right, it's uh, IST and Tieto. Uh, Tieto, you know, the corrupt yeah. company behind the Stockholm School Platform. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> that's the, those two companies are the only ones I know of that offer something at that scale. Now, honestly, I couldn't tell you how, how truly complex that is. Like they made it very complicated to interact with. I know that much, but how hard could it be? <laughs> no, I, I think it's genuinely super painful software to build, probably, yeah, and quite difficult. But it could also be something that could be done as open source, built once and evolved with budgets from every municipality in Sweden in an o- ongoing fashion. It's like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, I, I'm since I'm a socialist at heart. Or, well, I say I'm a socialist at heart. Let's assume I'm a socialist at heart. Uh, <laughs> I want the Swedish... Suddenly I've forgotten all English words. How convenient. Uh, I want the Svenska IT-myndigheten that can run all this software and develop it and make sure it it's, stays on top and have it... F- free and open source yeah i think i think it would be hard to have a centralized um, thing build probably that because different cities and municipalities have somewhat different needs but i think you could build something in in collaboration between them it would probably be also a very very slow process but i know that there are open source things for library systems this is something that's needed everywhere I would love to be involved in building uh, an open source preschool system. And the thing is, I think I don't mind private actors being involved. For example, if you want to outsource the hosting and server handling with regard to your library system, sure. Like you don't have to have an IT admin working at the library. There could be nice efficiencies if there are two or three providers in Sweden that like, oh, we we focus on public sector tooling. Uh, We run these open source projects for our clients, which are public sector. Yep. Like there could be decent efficiencies there. It's just these proprietary systems that I find uh, pointless, annoying, uh, and wasteful because we 
end up paying for them many times over. There's sort of, oh, we need some customization. Well, that can't either that can't be done or there's a super expensive spin-off project and they, they essentially fork a proprietary thing. It's no, it's just bad. And I think that happens to to too many IT projects and that should have just no, you we pay to have this built. That should mean it's ours and it's open. And we have these principles about openness. It's like you can demand the email exchanges of people, any person working in uh, the public sector, or at least like, oh, what email have you received from from this address? Like they they'll they'll have to pass that to you, and they might uh, redact it for sort of personal information and stuff. There are uh, there are limits and there are uh, constraints on it. Yes, but the main rule is that they should hand it out everything. Yeah, it, it, needs, it needs to be kept, it needs to be archived, and it needs to be uh, provided on request. Yeah. And I think the development of something like School Platforma would have been very, uh, a lot more mindful and a lot more careful if like, oh, it's a public Git repo, everything happens in public. Yeah. <laughs> the Git is- GitHub issues, public. Yep. Uh, everyone should be able to see it. Not everyone should be able to necessarily discuss or contribute. Like you can, you can draw the lines in different ways. But if like the public, there's a fair number of programmers in the general population, and if they could look at this project and someone could see, like, oh, they they seem to have no idea what they're doing, um, <laughs> then like you, that could have saved half a billion. <laughs> Yeah, I'm saying because it saved half a billion dollars. No, it's Swedish, uh, Swedish coroner. Yeah, it would also have sucked to work as a software developer on that project. In that, in the current circumstance, it must suck because yeah. you cannot be proud of the outcome. You can potentially Indeed. be proud of what little struggle you put in to try to make it good at some yeah. point. Uh, like I won't take that away from anyone. Uh, you might have done everything you could, but there was just a stupid amount of overhead in that process yeah. as well. They had someone managing release windows full time. <laughs> just, just let the windows uh, like leave them be, release them. Yeah, aren't the release when? No, I'm not going to go into that rabbit hole. Yeah, no, but I'm I'm very. I'm suddenly more optimistic about federated systems than I've ever been. And I don't think it's just like, oh, I've I've run into a new thing and now I'm excited about it. I think that's part of it. Like that's always part of how I operate. But now more people are being exposed to it. People that would not normally have gone there but are, are like, no, I will not stay on Elon's Twitter. They're like, okay, I'm going to figure out Mastodon now. Yeah, and they do, and this means they are exposed to their probably second federated system because everyone knows email. Yeah, everyone knows sort of how email works, but you don't don't think about it in the same way because you just send and receive, and it's. But now, perhaps the model can take hold in people's heads. That would be interesting. 